Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. So I'll be reading from Romans 12, um, from the NIV. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For, the by, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then to give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is this to show, mer- if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patience in affliction, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Dear Lord, I just pray today that you will bless Guy in what he has to say and you, you will speak, speak through him and that we will come with open hearts and open minds to what you want to say to us individually and that we may have eyes to see and ears to hear and that we will just be receptive and be in your presence today, Lord. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, wonderfully read. Um, Always good to have a Bible, I always think, not to rely too heavily on technology. Um, and I love what Andy said about having your Bible in one hand and uh, your newspaper or your social media in another. Because we do, that was beautifully led. I don't know if you appreciated the way Andy led us, but it was beautifully led 
to pray the Psalms at times like this in which we're living, where it's very hard sometimes with media to know what the truth is. And we pray to the one who holds the nations in his hands and the Prince of Peace is the person to whom we appeal. Um, and we need to be praying, brothers and sisters, at times like this. I've just come back from uh, uh, a gathering of international church leaders uh, abroad where we would hear from people all over the world that are undergoing huge suffering at the moment. And uh, it's very moving to have a pastor two days ago just talk about living, if we can imagine it, in an area of the world where you've lived as a people group for over a thousand years and then in a space of a week to have to leave your village, your home, your everything and just put everything you can possibly can do in a car and drive across a border and that's it. And he's talking about how to, how to lose everything and you're hearing these horrific stories and he's saying, but that is the gospel, isn't it? That is what Jesus said, leave everything to follow him. And you realize we're part of an incredible family, not just a local family here in the church, but actually internationally. And to hear brothers and sisters sharing their stories, it's uh, an amazing privilege. So we're in a series, if you're a visitor, or if you're not, uh, if you're a member and you've just forgotten for a minute, uh, we're in a, in a series talking about transformed and uh, Andy started the series just to remind you of got us all paper folding to make a butterfly and not many of us succeeded. Uh, I have here a real butterfly. Well, it's dead. But this butterfly is one of the rarest species in the United Kingdom. A butterfly that I would guess nobody in this place has ever seen a live one because it's so rare. It's incredibly faded. I found this one as a teenager 40 years ago on the front of a bumper of a car where it had been killed uh, and I put a pin through it and have kept it ever since. It is called a purple emperor and uh, it's the prince of the butterflies of this nation. It's, it's just the most amazing. When it's properly seen, that's faded and dated and old. But it is a mirror of purple shining and shimmering. And if you catch it in the woodlands, it is the most amazing butterfly. But you never see them. They fly high. They're very rare. And I was just reflecting on this series of Transformed and thinking, you do get incredible ministries that God raises up over generations. This church is famous for one ministry, maybe many, but one in particular. Many people come still to hear about is the ministry of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he was one of these dazzling, beautiful, fantastic butterflies in the entomological world of the church. But actually, he's dead uh, and buried, and uh, sadly, many people want to go back to those times rather than realizing the Church of Jesus Christ is meant to be alive, is meant to be butterflies of all shapes and colors, and you don't get many of those. 
but you do get an incredible diversity of beautiful people in this church who are alive and meant to be alive like butterflies that fill the and 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 and, and fill the skies and and soar across London and bring beauty wherever they go and pollinate the flowers and I want to talk to you today about this verse, this incredibly important verse about being zealous uh, for God. Um, it says in the, in the verses we read uh, earlier in terms of be never lacking in zeal. Never lacking in zeal. And uh, we're going to look at that in a bit more detail. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And uh, I want to again just say that we are meant to be alive in the Spirit. We're not meant to be going through the motions. When I became a Christian, I was told many times, I was saved into a brethren church, and I was told many times that the goal of my Christian life is that I might become more like Jesus. That if I worked hard, prayed hard, read the Bible, didn't go to cinemas, didn't drink, that I would become more like Jesus. That at some point, some incredible point, I would be pulled up out of a congregation and go, Guy is just like Jesus. But I've never been in a church service where anyone yet has. Can you imagine it? <laughs> Drum roll, please. Who's been the most like Jesus this week? And the truth of the matter is, that is God's work to become Christ-like. It is Him working in us. It's what God does in our lives. But our job is to follow Jesus. Can you remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. In other words, and this came over years and it, you might not you might think how slow I was on the uptake I honestly thought I had to having become a Christian which was by grace I now had to keep Jesus up by being a very good person and it ended up in a paper folding religious legalistic lifestyle where it was don't 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 try 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 and I was often condemned I was always pretending and then I heard about grace, that grace not only saved me, but grace was the way in which God had predestined me to live, and that my responsibility, your responsibility as a Christian, is not to try to become like Jesus. Your responsibility is to take up your cross. Your responsibility is to die daily to sin and to self and to ego. As it says at the beginning of the passage we're looking at, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is proper worship. 
to die to sin, to die to self. The resurrection is God's part. We are called to be people who, if we are to know metamorphosis, we need metanoia, we need repentance, where we quickly turn from sin and selfishness and turn back to God and to the life that he's won for us. And so Romans chapters 1 all the way through to the chapter we're looking at are very important in terms of understanding the doctrine. A proper doctrine leads to proper living. You understand Romans 1 to 11 and then Romans chapter 12 begin, okay, you understand this, what Christ has accomplished, now this is how you are to live. So everything we're looking at in Romans 12 is not, come on, summons up some more strength, try harder. It is a reminder that only Christ, only the Spirit can enable us to live this life that is very, very different. And it begins with the renewal of our minds. We've looked at that before. Having our minds transformed, renewed, and then being able to live this Christian life. And so it comes to Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, which is our text for today. If you've got it in front of you, it would help. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Zeal for the real is Paul's appeal. Let's see if you can remember that. Turn to the person next to you and just say, zeal for the real is Paul's appeal. But what is zeal? It's a bit of an old-fashioned English word in, in many ways. We're not that familiar with it. And so I'm going to alliterate it, uh, Z-E-A-L, zealous examples, all and Lord, as we unpack this verse. So let me start with Z, which is zeal. What is zeal? I read a couple of weeks ago of a guy who... Uh, went to the doctors and said, Doctor, I need some help. And he, the doctor said, what's wrong? He said, well, my wife asked me to do the vacuum cleaning. And, and do you know what? He said, I just haven't got any energy for it. And she says to me, uh, could you go and dig the garden? And I look out in the garden and I think, I just, haven't got, I just haven't got any energy for it. And then she says, could you paint the, the bathroom? And I go in the bathroom and I tell you what, I just feel so weak. So the doctor says, okay, let's do an examination. Lie it on the thing, take all your clothes off. We'll do a thorough examination. And at the end of the examination, put, put your clothes back on. doctor said, yep, you're lazy. <laughs> so the man said, can you give me a medical description for that so I can tell my wife? Zeal. What does zeal mean? Never lacking in zeal. Luther says, in regards to zeal, be not lazy. Its root of the word is haste. Haste. I don't know if you've ever had to move quickly. Haste. I was uh, in Cyprus airport uh, 24, just over 24 hours ago. Now, to get to the airport, we were doing across the, th across the island, 
the uh, coach took three hours when it was meant to take an hour and a half. When we arrived at the airport, there was an hour's queue. And we thought what we'd left was like four or five hours, which was going to be plenty. And we're in this queue, and there's 45 New Frontiers leaders in this queue. We're all sort of inching along, getting nervous because the clock's ticking, the plane's going to take off. I tell you, when we actually finally got through passport control, no one hung around Costas. No one tried to spray on some aftershave. Everybody was moving fast to gate 23. This is the encouragement of Paul writing to Christians. Be hasty. Be zealous. Move quickly towards God. Be quick to move towards serving. Be quick to move towards one another. When it comes to God, to worship to the church, be eager, be ready, be prepared in your spirit. Be ready to fully engage with one another. Be fully engaging with God. The opposite perhaps might help us. Don't be dull. Don't be cold. Don't be dry. Don't be unemotional when it comes to meeting as the church. Oh, what's going on this morning? Oh, so boring. That is not what Paul has in mind for church gatherings. He has an anticipation that Christians move hastily towards one another, move hastily towards the presence of God, move hastily towards serving the purposes of God. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In the same way you may have witnessed a person who moves quickly towards the bar. If you go to the, a football match, I've gone to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they've got the longest bar, I think, in Europe. Ten minutes before half-time, everybody moves hastily, zealously towards the bar. That's to be filled with beer. We're to be the same, moving hastily towards church, towards uh, worship, because we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not for an experience in its own, so that we might worship Him and sing songs and psalms and spiritual songs, but actually we might move equally towards one another. Be zealous to be filled with the Spirit. Why? So you can serve your brother and sister with spiritual resource. Z, zeal. Check one. Are you moving hastily towards God? Moving hastily towards the church? Moving hastily towards one another? The E, I would say, is an example. What might we think of when we think of worship and serving God and his purposes? I want to use three things in the Bible to help us understand good examples to think about when we think about our worship. When we think about church, when we think about what we're here to do. And the first C is creation. Turn with me to Psalm uh, 19. Um, so I love this psalm. It talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. Psalm 19. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. The words to the end of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun like a bridegroom coming out from his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run its course. The heavens are declaring the praises of God. They're an example to us in terms of these objects, the stars, the solar system. God is in charge of all those things. And as we look at them, as we watch creation, butterflies and birds and oceans and, and fish and all of the planetary systems, we are reminded that God is a God of beauty. God is a God of order. God holds all these things. He even says to the sun, I've made a, a tent for you. Get in there. This is the God we are worshipping. And if all creation is declaring the praise of God, so should we. If they haven't been given a voice, but still declare the praise of God, we've been given a voice, how much more we should be singing his praises, declaring his praises, bursting a gut to declare how good God is. Can I hear an amen? You're looking like you're not quite sure about this. I mean, day and night. This isn't half-hearted. It's repetitious. Night after night, day after day. Yeah, they still do the same thing. They pour forth speech. God is good. God rules. God reigns. He is Lord. He is the creator. Amen? That's our first C. Second C is children. I love it in Matthew 19, 14, where it says, Let the little children, Jesus says, come unto me, for such it belongs the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever watched children playing and been amazed at how many times they can do the same thing? I, I, I go down the beach with my grandchildren and I, and I build a, a sandcastle. And can you build another one? Well, yeah, okay, I'll build another one. Okay, another second one. Build another one, Grandpa, another one, and another one, and another one. I mean, we're an hour into this sandcastle building thing and they're going, do it again. Do it again. Well, I've just done it for an hour. Adults, do it once. Yeah, boring. Children, do it again, do it again, do it again. That, my friends, Jesus, as the children came to Jesus, that beauty, simplicity, heartfelt adoration is how we're meant to be when we come into worship. We say to God, do it again. Hey, someone's been sick, do it again. Someone's been healed, do it again. Someone's life has been turned around. Do it again. We are so excited because we are the children of God. and We come into the Father's presence and we say, do it again, Dad. Do it again. Do it again. Because we love it every time uh, your hand touches one of your children. We are so thrilled. Sadly, many of us have just got old. And we need to be renewed in the Holy Spirit to be childlike. Where we worship and we adore. And the third C is obviously the church. In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to prayer, to breaking of bread, to the fellowship. It's the strongest word 
devoted. It wasn't casual. It says in 1 Corinthians that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. Eagerly desire the strongest imperative in Scripture. Eager, devoted. This is how it's to be, brothers and sisters, that our hearts are in that way devoted to God, but devoted to his church, devoted to one another. Eager to break bread together, eager to remind ourselves who it is who's made us the family of God, that we are the body of Christ. Eager to pray and to intercede for the nations, eager to have food next door, eager to share our lives in small groups. That's how we're meant to be. Nothing casual. Nothing half-hearted. Do it again. Do another small group. Do another meeting because we love being together. We're the family of God and we love one another. That's the examples we're given, three examples we're given in Scripture. The third thing, and this, I am afraid, I'm, I'm embarrassed that this might offend all of us. So maybe we'll go to the next point. And go to point four. No, all work should be about serving. It says uh, in Ephesians 6, I'm just going to turn there. Ephesians 6 verses 5 and 8. It says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Just as you would obey Christ. Christ is the master. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. When we talk about zeal to serve, we must realize that our whole life, everything we do, is about serving God. There is no secular, sacred distinction. We don't come to church and say, okay, time to serve. Walk out of church, phew, that's over. Our whole life is about serving the Lord. Whether we have, as we, obviously, slavery is awful. God does not approve of anything about slavery, yet Paul is speaking to people who are undergoing slavery, and he's still reminding those slaves in that horrible situation that over and above their, 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 the person in charge of them, there is Jesus Christ. And to have the, the eye on and Jesus as their master. I love the story of Joseph uh, it's one of my Old Testament heroes. And he was sold out by his family. He was trafficked. He ends a slave. He ends in a household. And yet he, through his life, sees God as in charge. God working all things to, together for the good of those who love him. He served God, not People, Even on Pharaoh's right-hand man, he is serving other people for the glory of God. The key to feeding the world, to saving God's people, was found in Joseph serving. All spiritual blessing 
comes through serving. Not lauding it, not being above that, not looking down on people, but serving. All work should be about serving God's purposes. When I went to, when I first started working in a secular world, I went to work for a count, the council, and I was given my first week's work. And uh, here's, here's a load of things we need you to add up and check, and that's your week. About four hours later, I went into the office and said, done it. And they went, what do you mean you've done it? And the, I was taken into the boss's office, and he said, look, you've got to understand the way things work around here. <laughs> do a little bit, and then you sort of wander over to another desk and chat. Then you go for a coffee and chat. Then you want to the loo and take an hour in the loo. Then you come back and do a little bit more. This is the way, this is the way it's been, Guy, for years. You need to get with the system. I'm ashamed to say that it had an effect on me whereby within two or three years, I had started to just shave off five minutes here, ten minutes here, still thinking I was better than everybody else, but I'd forgotten I'm working for Jesus, not men. And God's looking, and God wants me to be zealous to serve and serve his purposes for me, it's a great sadness when believers are folded or shaped or bent into the way the world thinks in this area of work. We serve God. Whether we're paid or not paid, we serve God in our life and his purpose. And it's always on the job description. I meet Christians who go, I'm not picking out that litter. I'm not going to do that. It's not on my job description. It's on your job description, brothers and sisters. Every bit of serving, picking up behind someone, seeing an old lady fall in the street, it's on your job description. It's my job description, your job description. We are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We do not walk past need and say it's not mine to serve. It's all of ours to serve. When we look in the church, we see need. They're hitting a financial. They've lost a job. They've just lost a loved one. Oh, I hope someone goes and prays for them. No, you go and pray for them. It's on your job description. That's the type of church we're trying to build here, that all of us are serving one another because we're serving Jesus. And if one part of the body hurts, we all hurt, and therefore we move in, in harmony towards that need so that God might be glorified and the body whole. Amen? And finally, the L is for Lord. Jesus is Lord. Ephesians 4.16, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. The head is Christ of the body. We are the body of Christ, the church. There is a picture there of the nervous, well, the, everything, isn't it? The whole guts and lungs and Every unmentionable part is all put together by Jesus for the good of the body. Amen? And it says in Ephesians 6, 5, 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Charles Hodge said, serving your time is making the most of every opportunity. 
Be zealous to change and adopt, adapt your conduct according to the circumstances. Be ready to move towards need wherever you see it. What is clear from this, these verses is all of our body life together is not about serving ourselves, but about serving the Lord. We do not come, brothers and sisters, we need to break this. We do not come to church to have my needs met. Everybody needs to serve me, to look after me. I need to be the center. No, we come very differently. We come to help one another. We come to serve the body of Christ. We bring our gifts to serve the body of Christ. It is a tragedy. It is a tragedy that only one or two gifts are ever operated Sunday by Sunday in nearly 99% of churches across our nation. When Christ has given the body gifts to minister to the body life and transformation. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 says, They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. That's what we're going to do in one minute's time. And then, by the will of God, to all of us, to each one of us. You are not here for yourself. You are here to serve the purpose of God. You're not here as a member of this church to have your needs met. You're here to try, by the grace of God, to minister to others' needs. And in that way, the whole body of Christ is built up. So let me conclude. It says here in verse 9, the verse before, love must be sincere. If we say we love Jesus, there needs to be a demonstration every time we gather in the way we look after one another, minister to one another, Pray for one another. Bring our spiritual gifts. Think of this morning, if you will, like a garage. And you're bringing your car, your life, into the garage. And you, you, you look at your car and it's got a, a dent in it. It's low on fuel. You can't see through the windscreen. It's all mucked up. You haven't got any vision for the week ahead. The body of Christ is there to minister grace. Yes, we can be refueled through the word of God. Yes, we can be prayed for and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we feel we have the, the power for the next week. Yes, we can have our windscreen cleared, our vision made clear about what lies ahead of us. We can be cleaned up by repentance so that we drive out of here, the car is clean, we're ready to go again. But the people who do all that work is not the person who preaches the sermon or an elder only. It's through one another. All these things happen. So we come to church with a different mindset. We come to church zealous. Zealous to meet with God. In haste to meet with God. But then in haste also to look around us and say, I'm here to minister the grace of God to each other. To bring God's will and blessing to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to put your hand in your pocket and meet the needs of one another so that this body might be healthy and strong. And gifts of the Holy Spirit are not an optional extra. We've got so far to go on this journey, brothers and sisters in this church. Not just the public gifts, please hear this. 
The gifts that are hidden, the hidden parts of the body, ministering and serving and loving and looking after one another. So I'd like you to stand. I'd like to remind you where we started. We're not here to worship a dead butterfly, however famous and however rare they might be. We are here as a community of living ones, like beautiful butterflies, diverse in their colors, beautiful to behold, and called to take to the skies. And so I just want you to raise your hands. I just want a moment of silence, really, to let this word challenge you. Worship team, you by all means come up, but let's just keep quiet just for a minute. What is God saying to you this morning? Just let that question... Are you in a hurry to meet God? Are you zealous for your brothers and sisters in this place? Are you childlike in your faith saying, do it again? Sing another song, yes, do it again. Or have you become old? Are you recognizing that you're called to be a servant? You're not called to graduate from servant school. We never do. The greatest of all of us, we're the greatest servant. Are you looking at the great example, the Lord Jesus Christ, who did not, equality, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking upon himself the role of a servant? He's our supreme example he's the head of the body he's the one who wants to bring life to one another through the body this morning as we listen to the holy spirit which bit do you need to perhaps be realigned change your mind metanoia repent over align yourself to the will of god just think about that and make it your prayer to god just for in these quiet moments just say to god lord help this word to find good soil. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray for charismatic worship around your table, ministering to one another. May we be zealous in our singing. May we be zealous in our ministry. May we be zealous to bring gifts that glorify Jesus, zealous to serve one another. Lord, let zeal for the Lord, for the Lord's house, consume us as it consumed your son, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.